y'all welcome back to the onyx report where we as black men seek to uplift black men and boys using critical analysis hope you guys are well appreciate y'all for coming through shout out to donnie first one in the building shout out to mark cr frank spain man keith welcome to the onyx brotherhood busy mike uh shout out to vanessa from the virgin islands uh barry what's good rashid hope everybody's well um, you know, we're about to get this in and I have a treat for y'all tonight because, uh, we're going to actually delve into, uh, black male studies a little bit. And we're going to look at some of the people who are making some moves, um, shaking the tree as it were and creating new knowledge, um, in a field that we've been talked about in, but, um, one could debate how much, you know, impact we've had directly and opportunity to speak. So, couple of brothers in here that uh, I'm real happy to have on. They've both been guests on the show before, so uh, they are always welcome back. But let me go ahead and bring them up. Now we can dive right in. There we go. So we got, hold on, a good Dr. Travis Hood scholar. Let me put the, let me put the names up so folks can see. Um, Dr. Hood Scholar Harris and Dr. Oshan Gadsden. These brothers have definitely both been kicking down doors, whether you know it or not, but I'm allow them to introduce themselves. So um, let's go ahead and start with the Hood Scholar and then we'll go to Dr. Gadsden. Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? It's funny because I kind of feel like family. I feel like a lot of people know me already. But for the <laughs> broader audience, for the new audience, what's up? I'm Dr. Travis Hood, Scholar Harris Hood, Scholar, because I'm a scholar from the hood. I grew up in Holland Park, Richmond, Virginia, 804, survived the jungle, and I got a PhD. That's, right. um, that's the Hood Scholar, and yeah, I'm a professor, um, freedom fighter, and most important thing I want y'all to know about me is I love our people, I love black people, and I want black people to get free. Okay, can you, can you tell them where you're teaching these days? Oh man, yeah, I'm teaching, man. I'm teaching at a couple of universities. <laughs> um, William and Mary and Hampton University. All right. All right. Appreciate that. Go ahead and have Dr. Oshan Gaston introduce himself. And I want him to give you the new credentials. Give this humble introduction, brother. I want the full one. Go ahead. I appreciate it, brothers. I'm happy to share a stage with you both again. Uh, I'm Dr. Gaston, applied psychologist. Uh, PhD in uh, counseling psychology. Uh, I am currently uh, the department chair of the Department of Psychology at Hampton University. Uh, and uh, well, I also teach some uh, courses for Howard University as well this semester. Uh, I am, as I mentioned, a uh, scholar practitioner uh, in addition to scholarship around Black masculinity, emotional intimacy, and anxiety. I also treat 
uh, black men, black boys, and have done so over the last uh, 17 years. So I'm just happy to be here with these brothers. Looking right. forward to a great conversation. And I, and I should also say both of them are active and, and, and participatory fathers. So don't get it twisted. We are grown ass black men in the academy doing this work on multiple levels. Um, now, Dr. Harris hit me up first about this. So why don't you kind of introduce for people what we're talking about tonight and what's going on? Yeah. So shout out to Jonah Lockhart, um, David, say SYBM, a couple of other dudes. Like I got a big response from a big response on social media between Facebook and Twitter after we put out this special issue and the fellas was like look you got to break that down you gotta you gotta break it down and, and talk about it live so i was so yeah i wanted to hit when i hit you hassan i was like yo i want us to talk about it the dope part is hassan is here with us too yeah so um i think we can also get in the background of this because and i and i'll let Oshan jump in next but what happened was i reached out to Oshan like three years ago it actually was years ago because the plan originally was for this to be a book. Mm. And then 2020 hit, bam, COVID. Right. So COVID kind of messed up the rotation, right? And then I was like, yo, will we do a special issue? But the reason why I wanted the initial um, desire for doing this, this work was as I was studying, as I was doing as a scholar, right? As, as many of us, just like you and science, we talked about this. As I was going through grad school, whenever it came to gender, whenever it came to um, understanding sexuality, it was always about black women or LGBTQIA folks, mm-hmm. right? But there was not, I didn't really see a very in depth analysis of black men. Right. And so then as I studied more, I was like, you know, let me look more and more into this. And as I look more and more into this, it wasn't just in areas of gender sexuality. It was pretty much across the board. Yeah. And I was like, yo, like people ain't really talking about us that much. Mm. So I, so shout out to actually, I did find the places I did find it was in psychology and education, right? Okay. Psychology and education, I was like, okay, some psychology and education scholars they talking about us mm-hmm. and for the people who were but other than that it was it was pretty absent like i'm like dang so then that's when i hit up um Oshawn's like yo we got to do something about this okay well first, uh, shout out to ian in the chat for dropping the information we always appreciate that like share subscribe join and donate support the show if you will so i can continue to bring you independent black male thought but uh, dr gadsden weigh in on this where you know <laughs> how you come in on this and how it came to be man <clears throat> travis is right <clears throat> um yeah, we had we had so many different ideas of where to publish this and mm-hmm. then the pandemic hit uh and we um i was hit up actually by another good brother dr james wadley uh, wadley mm-hmm. uh at lincoln university is a cheer there uh in their counseling department and great brother who created a journal many, many years ago called the Journal of Black uh, Sexuality and Relationships. And he said, we need a special issues. Uh, do you have something? Can you have some brothers that will put something together? I was like, yes, we do. We have an mm-hmm. idea already. And so let me um, see what Travis thinks about it. And so we agreed and we, you know, we already had a call 
And so we just re-edited the call, obviously changing it from a book at, th at that point, because we were still thinking about writing a book. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but we wanted to do what we could in the moment. Yes. And that's where the special issues came. We wanted to look at uh, really uh, examine and explore black masculinity from multiple disciplines mm -hmm. uh, and to really and to really uh, give voice to, although we did have some women scholars who did add uh, to some of, uh, I think there was one article by one woman scholar, we wanted to try our best to have uh, at least 90 something percent of the articles mm -hmm. and special issues be written by black men and it was. Okay. Uh, and so, yep, yeah, that's how the issue came to be. Oh, you guys, I don't know. I don't know if I discussed this with either one of you, but you guys gave me a lot of um, a lot of hope in a particular way. Because A lot of people don't know. I stopped. I stopped publishing years ago. I really did. I mean, I just stopped altogether. And that's one of the things that brought me to YouTube. And I started the television channel. But my whole thing was I was writing and, you know, I kept hitting editors that just didn't want to, they didn't want to touch none of this. And so I got to the point where it was like, you know what, I got to find my own lane because I want to talk about the things I want to talk about. And I don't like to be bullied. I don't respond well to being locked out. Uh -oh. So, um, you know, when you guys reached out and said, hey, man, you want to publish something with us? I had articles just sitting on my hard drive. I mean, I probably, uh, I probably got about two books worth of stuff just sitting on my hard drive. So it was like, until you guys said something, it was like it didn't dawn on me that there was now a space where black men could actually engage other black men on issues of gender, sex, race, the whole deal, and actually, you know, engage topics that in other spaces, you know, might be considered risque and we don't, you know, we don't know if we want to talk about it. You guys welcomed it. Yeah. So I think you opened up a whole nother lane. And I'm, I'm not saying there's a lot of brothers out there that just stopped publishing like me, but there's probably a lot of brothers in the academy that, you know, really don't know where they can actually go full steam ahead and, and research and talk about the things that they're really interested in, because there's not a lot of spaces that will really want to hear black male voices to that extent. It, talk a little bit about the feedback you got from people who responded to the call. Want to hit that Travis first? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was huge. Right. <laughs> and I and going off what you were saying, I suspect it was like, yo, Finally, we got people who's ready to publish our stuff, mm -hmm. right? So we, um, man, it was, <laughs> it actually, it, it, now that I'm remembering, thinking back to it, it's both good and bad, right? Because mm -hmm. we, we got a lot of, we got a lot of submissions, probably over 20, good. right? So one hey was dope because there was great interest. A lot of people um, had the opportunity to write. But on the other hand, and Oshai, you probably remember this too, there was there was this sense of it doesn't take much to write about black men. Oh wow! Okay, you remember that, O'Shawn? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I like to tread this very lightly, <laughs> but uh, some of some of the submissions, uh, I don't know. They it didn't give a lot of thought. Some of the authors didn't give a lot of thought to what they were writing. They certainly did not abide by the call. Mm. Uh, they they didn't answer some of them they didn't answer any of the questions uh then there were some who you know uh had some agendas that were actually adverse to the spirit and the tone of the special editions at least in my mind and travis's mind wow and so yeah there was a lot of um 
I don't know, I don't want to use the word correction, but a lot of uh, feedback mm -hmm. that we tried to, to give to authors about really thinking more deeply about their submissions, because for us, they were just really, I don't know, uh, big abstracts. Okay. <laughs> there there yeah. was really not a lot of, okay. a lot of uh, let, and let me jump back in, and, and so I can be very clear, so this is, doesn't get into any of the subjectivity and all the other stuff. What I'm talking about are the, 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 the components of an academic article, right? When you have an academic article, you need to have some type of historiography, you need to have methodology, you need to have um, sources, primary research, mm -hmm. um, all of these things need to be properly laid out, right? And then, and then cohesively, cohesively put together in such a way right. that it's publishable by a peer-reviewed journal. Right. And so what I'm saying is, and a lot of the submissions didn't have those components. So mm. this is, so this is, a, this, and so it's two things, right? Or one, this is a very objective measurement of a scholarly article, right? So it's not me saying, oh, they, I disagree with them, any of that stuff. So people can't even go in that, right? That's mm -hmm. number one. But number two is like, why is it, and this is the question for us to consider, why is it that a chapter or a, a scholarly article for black men, why would you submit something that doesn't have all the components of it mm. to a call, right? Okay. Now, if you're, because we did get grad students, right? Grad students, I'm, I'm not mad at them, right? Because they're still learning the whole process. Because I, I remember being a grad student. And I had to learn how to go through and write an academic article. I'm mm. not mad at them for that. But if you are an assistant professor who has published before, you recognize the what it takes to get published, and you mm. don't give those same precedents and credence to what you're submitting, that's what I'm saying. Look, we got to keep that same energy. Okay. So I'm curious. Are, so are we saying there was a range? Okay, so out of those who who responded but didn't quite meet the call was it a range of responses from people who didn't really know how to write in this area all the way to people that had nefarious and questionable agendas or, or like how would you how would you frame that yeah i think all of the above i mean you know i think uh we had some authors who had written something already that, okay and it was like they were trying to uh make it fit uh but when we gave them feedback around well okay, your, your results actually are sort of um, antagonistic <laughs> against mm. the very mm. subject matter. You know, mm. might, you know, might you reconsider? We got a lot of pushback. We had some authors who were writing from a feminist perspective. And I remember, you know, Travis and I went back and forth about this and I was saying, okay, I don't mind. I mean, you know, we want various disciplines to, mm. to, to you know, articulate their vision. But it has to be, we, we wanted them to um, expand, critique feminism or feminist theory within the context in which they were writing okay. uh, around black masculinity. And they, <laughs> you know, they refused, you know, they were, wow. this, is, this is it. And, you know, so, you know, it ranged. The range yeah. was from folks who didn't know how to write or were in the process of learning how to write to mm. uh, those who, uh, whose agendas were just antagonistic against the call and were you know and we're not open to that you know to the feedback that travis and i gave you know travis gave a lot of you know you know he gave a lot of great feedback, detailed um, feedback. and very detailed feedback 
Mm. And, you know, people, you know, decide, some people decided not to, because we gave them the, the opportunity to, to resubmit. Yeah, uh, yeah. And there were some people who were just like, this is too much. And it's like, oh, this is too much. You know, from Travis's perspective, from a psychodynamic perspective, we wonder about sort of like what's behind that psychologically. Like, you know, writing about Black men, you know, why should it be a burden? It should be written, you know, with thought, with intentionality. Um, you know, yeah. No, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying because I've seen this take place at academic conferences too where you have the, the idea is on, on the one hand, we really know all there is to know about black men. There's really nothing new. You know, <laughs> like we, all we got to do is talk about prison, maybe talk about drug dealing and, you know, it, and I've seen this, you know, I, I, you know, I've actually seen a presentation uh, one person gave where, and this was a professor, she said, all we really need to know about black men has already been covered in the film Boys the Boys in the Hood. Okay, okay. So that's that's it. I mean, she was presenting this at a conference a few years ago. That's all we need to know. And wow. so you have that on one end, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's this kind of idea that um, feminist theory, black feminist theory, is enough to study gender and sexuality across the board. And really, it's the only thing. And there's nothing else to really be considered if you're a serious scholar. But Black feminist theory. Did you guys get that sense that there was that that idea there? Yeah. Uh, let me jump in on this one because this really came up when it when it comes to method, right? Mm -hmm. So for for the non academic listeners listeners um to this show, in academia we have this notion of method and methodology, and a very basic way of understanding method is what approach are you taking. Mm -hmm. to understand what you're studying right so uh a method different types of method could be archival research um interviews oral histories looking at actual data right mm -hmm. and then and now since we do interdisciplinary transdisciplinary studies it's like okay looking at archival research interviews and data right mm -hmm. and what was happening in his submissions and and this is the thing this is the problem we had with, with from the feminist piece on it's like their method their method was lacking mm. and usually what happens right with a lot of with a lot of research on black men people are looking to prove what they already think is true confirmatory mm. bias yeah okay so it's like i already think this about black men so since I already think this is about black men, let me research what I already think. And if you wow. take that approach, then how can you actually right. be open to learning something new? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things that was said earlier in the chat uh, a couple of different times is that, you know, a lot of research uh, lends itself to future policy. Did you guys see this? And I, you know what? Let me put this on the screen real quick. Where people can can actually see what we're talking about. Uh, look at the journal that you guys put together, right? So the journal of Black Sexuality and Relationships, right? Um, you can see there a special issue: decolonizing masculinity. Oshan D. Gadsden, PhD, guest editor Travis T. Harris, PhD, along with co-guest editor James C. Wadley, PhD, editor, right? So. You know, when you guys put this together, were you actively thinking about the way this might impact policy later, or were you just focused on, you know, really kicking the door down 
with this issue and really kind of uh, inaugurating a, a hopefully a new kind of conversation about black men. You want to go first, Ocean, or you want? To yeah, I, I wanted. I was thinking of this as, and you know, we we revisited this uh, amongst ourselves. I was looking at this as the first stage to okay. uh, a movement um, and uh, a, a consistent movement uh, where we um, uh, center of some sort, whether it's virtual or physical or in both, where we disseminate. Uh, multiple ways of knowing uh, mm -hmm. related to black masculinity through scholarship and of course from a practice perspective through community engagement with black men uh, from a mental health perspective sociological perspective i just envision all sort of a multidisciplinary space where scholars meet community community meets scholars around issues related to black masculinity so this to me was the starting point of the conversation of inviting folks from multiple disciplines to talk about their um, fantasies, ideas, perceptions, perspectives on black males. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's how I saw the work and how I continue to see the work. I mean, the, the, the process of decolonization as all of you brothers know, is an ongoing continual process. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's ever going to be done. And there's so many components uh, of our minds and of our lives uh, that have to be decolonized, particularly around black, you know, particularly thinking about black males. So I really saw this as a starting point, a launching point to a larger conversation and initiative and movement. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like he covered it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's look through uh, some of the contributions. Uh, you guys are open to kind of talking about yeah. some of this. Uh, let's start with the first couple on the screen. Any, anything you wanna, wanna tell people about? Yeah, so that's the one um, Oshan and I wrote. Um, and for that one, just this is just normal for for special issues to have an opening article that lays out the, the special issue and the field. And um, what we really did is is we did both, we did multiple things, right? One, well, Sean just laid out, right? Lay, laying out, okay, this is the beginning. Now, now we need to start thinking about how can, and, and, and let me say it this way. When we made our original call, this goes back to method and theory. We wanted a transdisciplinary approach to the study of black men. Okay. What is transdisciplinary? Let me break that down because some people might not know what it means. Usually, right, when I started off, we talked about how uh, education scholars may have looked at black boys in school. Right. Mm -hmm. Or how a psych a psychologist, how psychologists um have looked at black rage and um the way black men are 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 treated in their response to um living here in this country. Okay. And and so the next step will be an um interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary um approach to studying anything, but in this sense, black men. And the interdisciplinary approach is okay. What happens when an education and a and a, a education scholar looks at black boys, but also includes psychology, right? So, and so that's you can think about that as interdisciplinary, and and, more, and then you can say, what if an education scholar looks at black boys and a psychologist look at black boys? 
then it's these two disciplines are looking at them. That's multidisciplinary. Now, transdisciplinary, there's all of that, right? And more in the sense of we're looking at you, the person, the person who's trained, mm-hmm. such as, that's all three of us, right? We're all interdisciplinary trained scholars. So okay. we can bring an interdisciplinary trained lens together and have it so that it's implemented, right? So it's, it's, there's a difference between just looking at black men for the sake of looking at black men. Then what we were saying is we want, because you're ethnic studies, right? Were you only were you American studies, Dr. Johnson? I'm trying to remember. Oh, my doctorate was in cultural studies, but I got cultural three studies. degrees in Africana and I teach in Africana studies. Right. So your cultural study Africana. I, I was my PhD is in American and I'm Africana. Uh Oshan is psychology in Africana, right? Mm-hmm. So all three of us together looking at black men across multiple yeah. lenses and disciplines and then coming up with actual tangible both outcomes and actions that can be implemented for black men so that's what a a transdisciplinary approach and that's why you can see now right when we looked at some of these um earlier um submissions that we rejected it's just that you weren't going in that direction Mm, okay that makes sense yeah 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 Uh, Oh, I was going to say that the in the article or really the editorial that Travis and I wrote in that he did a beautiful, oh, my God, he did a masterful job of uh, really looking at the historical uh, underpinnings of black male studies um, from multiple disciplines uh, and really ta- really uh, sharing, well, really articulating and really postulating the need for like really giving a rationale of the need for not only our uh, special issues, but this ongoing conversation. And in the article, excuse me, in the editorial, I also provided what I like to call black male uh, uh, research paradigm, you know, decolonized mm-hmm. research paradigm, where mm-hmm. I submit uh, a number of suppositions and ethos that should always be the framework of any scholar, regardless of discipline, in terms of how they approach, we talk about methodology and intentionality, how they approach working with, researching, collaborating with black males. And so that editorial, if you have a chance to read it, it is really dope and it is theoretical, but it also uh, allows you within the context of your discipline to make use of it, uh, you know, in that in that way. Can you pull it up real quick, Oshan? So you can, I'm sorry, um, Hassan, so you can see what do you mean? You want me to click in it? Yeah, click on view because you'll be able to see. Oh, okay. Um, it's right at the beginning. Uh, hold on. Is that where you want to be? Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, oh, is it not letting you see it? I mean, oh. this is what I'm seeing. Oh, there. So, it is. That's not the full article. Oh. oh. Did you send him the act? The the the. I'm gonna send you the. Oh, okay. You know what? I'm gonna send you the. Um, the I put it on Academia. Okay. I'm gonna send that to you. Send me the link for that. All right. Yeah. All right. So while we kind of go through that, um, you know, we can just kind of sift through some of the different pieces. Do you have uh, 
Well, let's talk about your piece, brother. Come on now. I want you. Come on. I just, you know, I want, but uh, you know, some of these titles are incredible. You know, I want you guys to check this out. I put the link in the chat for those of you that might be interested um, in delving into this. Um, I contributed a piece. Uh, is anti-black misandry the new racism? And these brothers were, uh, you know, kind enough to pull it in and engage it. And like I said, man, this is not. You you can't assume that any piece, any journal, even any book is going to allow you to engage these kind of questions because there really are, um, you know, entrenched kind of viewpoints about black men. There's an idea that there's only one way to, to adequately and, and properly talk about black men. And a lot of it comes from this kind of detriment model, right, where, you know, black men have to be talked about in terms of the negative impact they have on other demographics. But if you actually take the position that black men are human beings, for one, that need to be actually studied from a position of uh, what I would call good faith, you know, where we're actually exploring black male humanity without this kind of, you know, assumptive idea that they have to fit into some kind of pathological framework, you'd be surprised how that subtle switch right there is enough to keep, um, you know, keep people out of publishing in a number of different spaces. So, you know, you're asking about this question of misandry. Now, I've had plenty of people tell me misandry doesn't exist. There's no such thing as misandry. There's misogyny, but there's no such thing as misandry. Uh, and, and, and especially no such thing as a misandry toward black men. You know, and so there's the, you know, you, and these will be, these are, these are colleagues in the academy, not just, you know, talking heads on Twitter or whatever. Um, so, you know, you can't assume that you can have these conversations anywhere. And that's one of the things I really wanted to thank you both for doing is creating this space that allows for, you know, a more nuanced and subtle discussion about black men that allows it and, and includes more about our experiences. Um, and sees us as a full range human. Yes. 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 Yeah. And go, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to piggyback on your point. I'm about to uh, to start a new study, a qualitative study, uh, narrative and phenomenological, looking at how black men in, uh, define joy and pleasure. Mm. And you would, it's just to your point, when I talk to colleagues about methodology and, you know, making sure that's straight, people still are like joy and pleasure. And they mm. all, and, and the first place they go is sexualization. And I'm like, no, I mean, we're going to allow men to define it for themselves. But why is it that the assumption is that black men, when given an opportunity to talk about joy and pleasure, the first place they're going to go is sex. Right. You know, so it is this this idea that we don't really have a full range of not just humanity, but spirituality. Absolutely. Um, and, and that has to be combated. Absolutely. Um, I how did you send it? I sent it on, on email and on messenger. Okay. You can put it in the private chat, but here, I'll just check it on email. Um, now I'm going to work backward a little bit while I open up. Uh, hold on. Okay. So you just want me to open it here? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and put it there and go ahead and bring it back up. Yeah, screen. that way. All right. Yeah. All oh, right. my Lord. They, everybody trying to make some money. <laughs> you want me to you want me to download it or is, is it opening up here okay okay there we go there we go uh what do you want me to oh keep going i just want you to get to the points that um uh, sean laid out there they go okay yeah 
All right. You want to take us through them? Yeah. So for some reason, it's not showing up clear on my screen. So let me just pull up the article. Oh. Um, all right. Normative research often misses full of nuance, misunderstandings. Normative research. Okay. So this is that first part is basically what we just uh, already discussed, right? Okay. So go to the, um, keep going. Yeah. Here it goes. The black male center decolonial. Yes. That's it right there. Okay. That joint is fire. All right. You want to, you want to take us through it? Um, Oshan, you started off cause that's the part. I can't even see it. I'm oh, <laughs> okay. That this, um, I'm on the uh, laptop. Oh, here we go. Okay. So, given these assumptions, a black male centered decolonized framework must then work toward a visible and attainable praxis that is psychologically, culturally, and spiritually relevant to the complex needs of black males. The work with black males and the research that undergirds it must be one, political and spiritual in nature offering a vehicle for black males to retrieve what they were and remake themselves, to offer a reflexive analysis that explores the multi-complex impacts that imperialism and colonialism have had on how black males have, under, have been understood, i.e. research questions, methodologies, measures, and study. Three, an implicit articulation of the history and impacts of Western research to the eyes of and via the voices of black males and black racialized male research researchers, clinicians. Four, by nature, resistant in action, resistance in action, a form of research that creates holistic counter narratives about black males. Mm -hmm. And five, deconstructed by nature, analyzing the motivation and types of research questions developed in research projects focused on black males. Mm. Mm. I got chills with him reading that. <laughs> <laughs> so look at this, right? He's saying, look, black men are complex, mm -hmm. right? Not just like, even with the example he just gave, the first thing that came to, to joy and pleasure was sexuality. Right, right. Not spirituality, not not having fun, not on a very basic level, kicking it with, with the boys, mm -hmm. right? Not just enjoying life, enjoying the weather. Because mm -hmm. these are when we start to talk about this, we're talking about the social, the socio-emotional, um, historical, all these opponents that's coming together to make up who we are. Exactly. In the very in the very first call, right? Uh, we open up with this question. Are black men even black? Mm, okay. Mm. Mm. Let me say that again. Are black men even black? Mm. Because if we black all, it seems like when we talk about blackness, and you get it this in your article, right? It seems like when we talk about blackness, we understand how difficult it is for black people, right? Mm. We talk about the transatlantic slave trade. We right. talk about dispossession and colonization. Mm. We talk about how hard it is with uh, police brutality and and the school to prison pipeline and all that but some kind of way this don't apply to black men right right, right. where right initially in the slave trade the majority of the enslaved africans were who mm -hmm. people don't talk about that but the first one were men <laughs> the majority of the slave were men yes 90, yes. 95 percent of people <laughs> who died for police brutality are who men 
yeah. men. Yeah. The largest in mass in, in mass incarceration, the largest percentage is who? Yeah. Men. How you and, gonna say misandry ain't, ain't real? Right. Right. And so we are saying that these are the complex issues, the intertwined issues, and black men going through, and say the base way, it got black men going through all this ish. <laughs> then we need that type of response to that. Yeah. And that's what we're hoping that people will offer, not just some straight like, oh, okay, this is how I feel about black men. This is the way black men are. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Um, hold on. We have some brothers in the chat. One of them said, remember, remember the brothers frolicking oh, challenge? Yeah. Right? And and the in the whole, you know, and how that was treated, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You know, the whole question of and it really came down to seeing black men outside of stereotype. Because I think this right. is what Dr. Gazden was referring to a moment ago when the questions he got around the use of the word pleasure and joy came back to sexualization, right? In, many, in, in much of the social imaginary, we are, you know, uh, the hypersexualized phallus mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. humanity it, it, outside of maybe violence, right? We're criminalized and violent, but you know, those are the two modes that black men are most interpreted through. And, and, and so even when you try to break out of that, the very first thing that somebody said, try to resituate black men back into a framework we're trying to, to step out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in the, the academy. This isn't even just limited to popular culture or mainstream media. You know, we're talking about popular academic approaches to the, to the so-called study of black males. This is where we still end up with having to fight against the tide of hypersexualization and criminalization. Mm-hmm. What you guys are doing are ground, is groundbreaking for that alone, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Sean, I'm just curious. What what inspired you <clears throat> to um to come up with this this framework? Well, oh, okay, I, uh, because of everything we've been talking about. That first of all, uh, to me, from my from my ethic and uh, my work, that you know uh, the work around black and minoritized folks, particularly black males, has to be social justice oriented and has to and has to have an explicit uh articulation of the ways in which the ecological envi- uh, the ecological variables like oppression racism and sexism genderism uh all the things that we encounter has to be a part of um uh creating new body- bodies of knowledge and so that was one of the first factors. The second factor is that um, most of what we were reading uh, in the psychological literature and um, in other disciplines, of course, were always written about us mm-hmm. uh, and right. not right. written by us or right. through our lens or through the voices of black men or black black ma- males in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so social justice having a black focus a black ethic to me um are are real components of those suppositions i mean i go on to make some more assumptions in in this model but for what we read you can hear that there has to be a framework that um, explicitly resists and and creates counter arguments and narratives 
uh, to what we have, you know, have ingested and internalized within the academy, but of course, within our own community on multiple levels. And so those are some of the reasons why I thought that this type of framework was more nuanced and, and particularly what was particularly helpful in helping researchers and clinicians, even before you get into your topic area or mm -hmm. trying to quote unquote help, are this, is this a part of your ethos? Mm. Are you really trying to resist and create new counter narratives, right? Mm. Are, you are you looking at the nuanced complexity of black males? Um, are your research questions situated in a way that are already the meta communication of those research questions are already answers in and of themselves? Mm -hmm. You know, like I always use in my research methods course with students, this research question that is real. Mm. It's, it is, are black men more violent than white men? Mm. What kind of fuck? Oh, sorry. What kind I, I know, of question? <laughs> like, like this is a real research question. Like, right. how problematic is that question on multiple levels? It makes right. so many assumptions mm -hmm. uh, about black men uh, and their propensity toward yada 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 yada. So right. I think it. You know, we need people to not only understand, you know, the need for looking at the complexity, but to really check their research questions and hypotheses and make sure that they are not in and of themselves a perpetuation of deficient models and paradigms of Black men. You know, Hassan, I want to jump in real quick just to say, let me let me explain the importance of this, right? So if, if our healers are offering healing based on our caricatures, <laughs> then <laughs> what happens is what's being offered the medicine for example hmm. can then be harmful yes oh yes so let me give you a very practical example about this right That's good. So there's there's multiple studies but there's a study on, on black men with depressive disorders hmm. or black men with depression however you want to um qualify this right mm -hmm. and what and, and what this study did was it tracked how often clinicians and to be clear what clinicians are clinicians to be a therapist and a and a um in an office or even in a hospital, right? So the, how clinicians misdiagnose black men. Yeah. But then the problem is with their misdiagnosis, mm. when they when they offer um, the quote unquote healing, then they'll tell black men, for example, hey, you need to stop doing drugs or you need to start smoking or you need to eat better. The problem is because it's based on the misdiagnosis, they are literally um, trying to bring healing to the symptoms, mm. right? And mm. healing the symptoms only makes the problem worse. Right. So now, so what happens when they return to the office? They say, oh, yeah, I'm still caught up with whatever the habit, whatever. And all these are coping mechanisms, right? Mm -hmm. right, right whatever right. They, they still um, deal with the coping mechanisms. What happens? Then they say, they blame them and say you are the reason why you're resistant. You're resistant. Yes. You you are the responsible <laughs> for the problems that you have. Mm -hmm. And so then it comes into oh, we need to hold black men accountable. Right, 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 right. Whereas all of this started where because you base all this on your caricature on the stereotype that you created about him. Oh yeah. yeah. So you don't even understand the pain that he's dealing with inside. You don't understand his depression. You don't understand all the things 
that are internally deep inside of that you're supposed to be doing as a clinician trying to bring out of them. Right. But you don't but, that. But you don't even think to add on to that, you now you're preaching, brother. You don't <laughs> these clinicians, you know, I've been training for a long time and I I just stopped training white clinicians, but these mm. there are lots of them that don't even just like medical doctors don't even think we have pain. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so the diagnoses, you know, that they're giving in the interventions are based on their apathy mm-hmm. uh, and their apathetic stance toward our capacity around a full range of emotionality. And mm-hmm. so, so there you get stigmatizing, punitive diagnostic yes. impressions, yes. where medication or some sort of anger management, punitive mandated type of thing is needed mm-hmm. instead of more insight oriented emotionally spiritually inter you know uh integrative uh clinical care so i'll give you mm-hmm. two examples i was a postdoc in philly and it was at, at a community-based center and the way they had it was you know patients were seeing you had to see a psychiatrist as, as well as a therapist and so but the, but the psychologist me had to sign off on the treatment plan Mm-hmm. So the psychiatrist comes up to me. I have been seeing this black brother for probably six months. And he comes up to me. He says, you know, here's this new treatment plan. And I've diagnosed him with antisocial personality disorder. Now, maybe people don't know what antisocial personality disorder is, but you can just gather from the name. It's some heavy shit. And it has a lot of stigmatizing uh, qualities and components to it. And I said to him, I said, what do you mean? You've just seen him for 30 minutes, maybe not even 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. What what do you mean? Well, this is what I've diagnosed. And I said, I've been with this guy for six months. Mm. He does not have antisocial personality disorder. And I'm not gonna gonna sign off on it. So it went up to the main folks and supervisors and I stood my ground Mm-hmm. Because, but but even standing my ground as one person, you can imagine that is the standard practice. You can't imagine how many black brothers have been misdiagnosed in that yeah. clinic alone, and but put on medication and feel powerless because some of them were mandated to be there, or they don't understand why they you know there's there's, there's economic resources connected to their treatment, and so they go along with it, and so you have a whole generations of of black folks in general, but black males in particular, who are being treated in these community-based uh, uh, contexts who are not really being treated. It's another form of social control. You know, there's a there's a paper that Dr. Tommy Curry wrote about eight years ago called, mm-hmm. um, I think it was called, uh, let me see, Black Studies, Not Morality. Mm-hmm. In that paper, you know, he kind of said what a what a number of us were kind of thinking here or there but you know tommy he put it all together and threw it at you like it was you know and, and what he pointed out were the ways in which you know theory from within the field in many ways was causing a number of problems one of which and this is my you know my interpretation of his of his argument some of this pathologized black men in very particular ways now we fast forward and in the last couple of years alone we've started to see therapists Come mm-hmm. on social media, come yeah. on the television, and, and and most particularly, you know, feminist therapists yes. are participating in this pathologization, you know, pathology narrative for black men 
And a lot of it has been influenced by, you know, very particular type of pedagogy, you know, these arguments about, you know, especially if you look at the Duluth model, right? These ideas mm-hmm. are inherently patriarchal. They're black men in particular are inherently oppressive, inherently abusive. We're not going to look at the, the data around that. We're just going to make these kind of arguments. And, and, and now it's gotten to the point where it's in the public. It's not just, you know, kind of enclosed in these academic spaces. It's being brought out on Twitter where you have people who are trained clinicians with mm-hmm. degrees, with certification, who are getting on at night in their home saying, <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? It's that it's become that brazen. Right. How, how, how do you how do you respond so, to that? Can topic? I respond to that first? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is. I'm going to try not to go crazy on this one because it pisses me off to think about it. The most cited work on black men, guess what that is? All right, go ahead. Do you know it already, Hassan? No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're Bell talking books. Oh, yeah. real cool. Okay, okay, okay. Let this sink in. Mm-hmm. The scholar who said that black men were involved what she said a ritual a, a, a suicide ritual she said a lot of shit. <clears throat> she let that sink in bro and she was talking about the central park five who are mm. innocent right, right. the central park five was in, involved with suicide ritual her work is the most cited and most used text in academia to understand black men wow and the- and the problem with that is what, Travis? So methodologically. What? <laughs> huh? Say that again. Uh, you can touch it. You can start methodologically with the problem with her stuff. Right, is. right, right. What? Yeah. Real quick, right. real quick. Shout out, shout out to Dr. Ronald Neal. Shout oh, out to, Ronald Neal. Shout out, to the, shout out to the Green Gorilla. Both of them are in the house. Uh, Yo, so, and, up, and Ronald, Ronald is still in Africa, by the He's way. Still in Africa. Take you with me, Ronald. He did a video earlier today. If you haven't checked it out, go to the Dr. Ronald Neal channel. Check him out, you know, giving commentary about black men. But what Dr. Neal is doing is he's expanding the discussion by, you know, supporting the push for black men to travel, to experience treatment in different situations, different environments, and to reflect on what exactly Americanity is if you're experiencing this new experience out of the box, out of America, where you're actually being treated to varying degrees, more like a human being. So shout out to Dr. Neil. Shout out. Um, But I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to get that in. Go ahead. Yeah, so Bell Hooks, right? It it seems like she's allergic to citations and footnotes. (laughs) No, she is a citation. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, you read through her stuff. It's like, based on what? Based on what, bro? This is why we were talking about methods, because it's like, Oh, you can just, I guess, because Bell Hook said it, it's true, right? So mm-hmm. one is, one, is, the question is, like, how do we know what she's saying is true? But two, because this is the most cited. Right. This is, and th- this is considered an academic, a, key, a seminal text in academia. Yeah. So for those outside of academia, if this is, so what happens is in academia, as the text becomes more popular, it gets more citations. And Absolutely. to get more citation, then it becomes okay. This is the go-to text. This is the standard. Yeah. This is the standard. Yeah. So now, all with all these people, just like, and this is the other part, right? And 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 let me break down how this. And I talk about this in the um in the special issue. But this is how it works, right? Whenever you want to understand black men as an undergrad, 
you might take a couple of um uh a gender women's gender and sexuality courses right mm -hmm. and when you when you hear about us in those courses then you only going to hear about us as abusers right right so then when you go to grad school you might specialize and it's either we're either going to be abusers mm -hmm. or absent mm -hmm. so then when you get out in the field right you literally have no in-depth training of understanding black men so then you say i want to understand black men what's the standard text bell hooks <laughs> but see, this, see how this works right this, there. This, but this is where it comes back remember what i was saying earlier on there was a point where i literally stopped publishing because i would send things in and keep hitting the same wall it was mostly editors who had identified as feminists and because and if you question feminism or talk about black men in a non-feminist context in terms of gender studies it wasn't considered viable it wasn't you know so so if bell hooks is the standard you can see how important y'all your journal is for including black men that are operating outside of the framework that bell hooks is being used to represent right yes. and, and i would argue that there are probably a long list of brothers who over the decades you know because we know of the brothers that broke through on one level or another we know about the robert staples we know mm -hmm. about you know what I mean? The Jim Sedaniuses. We know about, you know, there were there were a number of brothers that broke through. They didn't have a movement of black mm -hmm. and in the academy at their back, but mm -hmm. they were able to put something on the record. You know what I mean? To say we're here, we're studying this. The, the, the way it's being the way black men are being studied is not is not accurate. But we're, we're putting something on the book. So you can go find Staples in 1977. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Talking Love. about black men in a way that, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't find often. And, and there have been plenty since then. Uh, but like I said, they didn't have a movement. They didn't have a groundswell of support. Uh, publishing, you know, publishing was sporadic from here and there at times. Now we're in a moment where we're starting to see a push for black men by black men that I've never seen in my lifetime. I don't know the full extent of what it can be, uh, where it's going, so on and so forth, but it's happening. And I think what you guys are producing is helping to expand that push further by creating a space that's safe, that allows for people to come in and seriously study black men while asking new questions to expand how that research is approached in the first place. So, and um, I'm jumping real quick, then let you go, Sean. Um, Y'all look at the, the, um, the, academia articles so y'all can read this because all those scholars that Hassan is talking about is in that article. One I do want to point out is Madhu Bhuti, right? Okay. And in this, and, and this was written in 1990, and I told you about this when I was writing this, Hassan, but mm -hmm. he has this story of a black man being killed mm -hmm. by a woman police officer. Mm -hmm. So let this let, like think about this, right? Of course, uh, think about this. A book you think they're gonna let a story in the 1990s where it says that a, a woman police officer killed a black man get out there? Mm. They're gonna try to keep that in as much as possible, right? Mm. But think about how this does to the narrative, right? Think about when we think about these notions of of quote unquote patriarchy and and then and then and how people say Miss Andrew ain't will. Mm -hmm. When the, the police officer who killed the black man was a black woman. Mm. That literally just flips the whole entire stratosphere of these of these conversations. And the other reason why this is important, right, 
and and this is goes back to what you were saying about feminism it's very common let, let, let me let me let me say this academic academia is supposed to be a place of intellectual exchange i this is what i think and then somebody responds this is what you think what what feminism has done has weaponized it so that if you provide a, a different perspective then it's oh you're attacking feminism or you're attacking black women no we're just doing what's supposed to be normal for higher education like what what would it look like if we always already always agreed on the same thing how right. will we grow how will we build how will we help each other out so all that we're saying is okay we're just doing a normal academic process this is what you say about black men okay we're adding to this conversation and what we're adding to this conversation there are times when women and queer folks are the abusers at times when black men are the victims yes right right which shouldn't be groundbreaking because it, it, <laughs> you've paid attention in the black community this is the reality of what we live what we see but strangely enough what we actually live and see doesn't always translate in media doesn't always translate into the academy and we just end up you know fighting upstream to make points that people live through every day every day and, and you can't blame patriarchy as the you know black male patriarchy is always you know i have some women scholar friends who that's the that that's the root of it all so everything proximally is about uh black male patriarchy when most black men don't feel empowered at all for multiple reasons mm -hmm. don't have power don't feel empowered don't feel engaged at all right and so we have to speak to what that disconnect is about when i'm having man after man for 15 years walk into my office and either disempowered on his job or disempowered in his home right uh, but yet he is he's the patriarch no 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 we we this type of fast talking pedestrian scholarship has got to be resisted and i right. think that we are on to something as brothers here and other brothers that we know who are part of this movement we've got to keep talking We've got to keep engaging. We've got to keep taking this needle to the next level and creating structures that live beyond us. Okay, right, right. It, it, it needs to happen. It's, it's past due time that it does because it's almost gotten to the point, in my humble opinion, where it's almost a religious argument that black men being studied, you know, in, in this kind of pathological fashion is somehow a social truth. It's somehow an accepted truth that we have to go with. And if you question that, then you're lacking. As a as an intellectual, you're missing the point. You're missing something if you don't accept this patholo this pathology argument. And I think it's reached that point. Because again, when I can see people at conferences who will get up and and really just talk off the cuff about black males. I attended a session some years ago uh, at the uh, National Council for Black Studies Conference. And they had a they had a panel discussion on black boys and education. Ooh. And it quickly went. Uh, as a matter of fact, they didn't produce any charts. They didn't put it. They they were talking about my cousin's sister's son, and he didn't feel like going to school. <laughs> Therefore, from that black, you know, black boys don't like school. And I'm sitting in the audience going, "This passes for intellectual discourse about black boys because the bar is set so low." I mean, going, you, you, you know, what you guys talked about with bell hooks is part of that narrative. You, you, we can be talked about without citations. 
We can be talked about in terms of individual anecdotes. And this some, somehow says something about mm. black males as a group. Mm. You know what I mean? That's that in and of itself is a problem. And when you have to fight upstream against colleagues, sometimes in your own department, about raising basic questions as to methodology in regard to how black males are studied, that's a level of tension and stress that, that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. And I'm curious on that panel, were there any black men? Uh, I'd say out of the seven that I saw, maybe two. And they they spent most of it quiet. They spent most of the time uh, being quiet. You and so I mean? what I was going to say, I got two two things to follow up to that. One, this brings us back to our submissions, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if they said that on a panel in front of everybody, yes. imagine what they said in the submissions that they gave mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Now, I have this story um, up on my Facebook page. And this is about um, this person went to this conference, and at this conference, this 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 professor um, did research. Well, I gotta say, I, I didn't want to say the gender, but I gotta say the gender. This black woman professor um, did research on child abuse. Hmm. Okay. And if y'all know the data on child abuse, one of the highest uh, groups that abuse is black boys. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, and 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 it's a sad reality, but the people who who are doing the abuse are black women. Um. So during during her presentation, she primarily focused on the abuse of black girls, and somebody questioned her on it. And I think, and I I guess they the um the way they asked the question, they asked it to the side. And she said that I wanted to. So I'm sorry. Somebody questioned on it. She said and asked, her, "Why didn't you talk about black boys mm. who have been abused?" And she says, "Yes, I am familiar. I yes, black boys being abused did come up in my study and my research, but I didn't want to talk to, about them publicly because I wanted to protect black women." What? Said. Wow. Wow. You know, she wanted to protect black women. Even though her own research found that pretty much black women are abusing black boys. Wow. Check out Marlon in the chat. I'm a mental health clinician and college professor who is going through this currently in my wow. class. Thank you all for affirming that I am not crazy in my perception. Real talk. <laughs> That's no. why I'm up here on this screen because you get to the point where you're like, either I'm crazy or there's something going on. And and I just, you know, kind of kept pushing until I started to hear more brothers coming forward to say, no, I'm going through the same thing or I'm seeing the same things. Um, I did it. Now, speaking to your point, Dr. Harris, I did a show, um, I want to say, uh, you know, seven, eight months ago, maybe, uh, looking at the most recent 2020 child maltreatment report. And what that report revealed was absolutely what you said. Black males tended to be those that were uh, violated, if not you know, killed to the greatest extent. And the primary caregivers were, the, were most responsible. And primary caregivers in this context, of course, being mothers. Hmm. And by race, by gender, these things were bared out in chart after chart after chart. So when we say that black boys are being violated in terms of abuse, we, we're, we're talking about this you know, uh, empirically, this is not about, you know, I got a, I got a, I got a, 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 a some girl hurt me. Right. Years ago. So I'm going to use my scholarship to get at all black women. No, this is what the data is saying. And yeah. if I can't reference the data, 
then what conversation are we actually having? And when you add on what Dr. Harris just mentioned in terms of this willingness to cover up what the data says to protect the image of something in an academic setting, then what are we really up against here? What are we really talking about, right, in this context? What's, what's really at heart? You know, when Black male scholars are afraid to speak, yeah. to a number of them that will send me emails on the side saying, hey, I love what you guys are doing. I love what you're talking about. I, I particularly like this issue or that issue. I love I love this video, that video. But I wish I could say these things, but I can't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I used to have my conversations. I don't know if you brothers remember on Facebook, and I stopped for that reason. Uh, mm. And one of the conversations where I was having, and I took a, just a curious positionality, as I usually always do, uh, was around that report you're talking about. And I talked about, is there a notion of toxic femininity or toxic motherhood. Wow. And, you know, based on those 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 stats that Hassan was just talking about, and, you know, my Facebook lit, you know, women, friends defriended me. I remember that too. You know, <laughs> dollars, you know. I was like, oh, so black men can be toxic. Yes. And fathers can be toxic. Right. Uh... But right. black women who primarily mother, they can't be. So I, I think what, what what I was hearing was, oh, when it's when it comes to black women, this is not the norm. They are out. Yeah, right, right, right. But right. when it comes to black men, it's innately a part of our personality structure. And then, I and I remember, let me just say real quick to, to those who don't know, he didn't make any type of accusations. He didn't make any claims. He didn't. Only thing he did was presented the information and ask questions. But but the the crux of what he's talking about here, though, is that if this if black men have become the face of abuse, whether it's it's the abuse of uh, intimate partners or children, but the data shows that they're not, then. You know, at what point do we actually really? And I've had these debates where I've had people say, "Well, I don't trust the data." Okay, you know, I get it. Okay, so you don't trust it. All right. So my question then becomes, what do you propose we use instead of data that keeps us from falling into stereotype anecdotes? You know, what 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 do you? Because I'm okay, fine. The data is questionable. Well, they only had three thousand in that sample. Okay, fine. What do you propose we use? Well, I, I, well. I, you know, uh, my sister's son, you know, he 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 likes going to school. And uh, you know. so yeah. until you have an alternative yeah. that, that meets some kind of muster, I'm going to go with what can be referenced. Because here's the thing. If the data is wrong on a given report or questionable, that's what scholars do. We argue about right. how the report was done, what's missing, what should have been covered. That can be referenced. That can be challenged. That can be interrogated. We got something to work with. But if we don't have any data, then yeah. we're really going with your opinions. We're going with your childhood experiences that you haven't processed. We're going with whatever pops in your head at a given moment. And when it comes from somebody who's lettered and in a position of authority, mm -hmm. that word is gospel. Mm -hmm. You have folks out there referencing and citing you just because you have a degree, but what you're saying has no basis in anything beyond your own personal issues. Mm -hmm. you know, so when I push for this, you know, that, that's one of the reasons that I took to, to Tommy so well, because, you know, dealing with uh, being an empiricist, that was the question he was always asking. What is this measured against? Where does this come from? What are we looking at as a standard to make sense of this? 
that wasn't the tradition, I, I'm sad to say, of Africana studies that I, I came up in. What I came up in was far more the humanities side of it. Well, you know, it was a lot of literary kind of arguments about meaning. But when that transferred over to perspectives on Black men, there were no checks and balances against where people took those arguments. Mm. And again, I come back to why this journal is so important because you guys are asking different questions and you have a standard, you know, of what is a credible research argument and how that argument is produced and where it goes. There's there's a context for that. So, you know, I applaud y'all. And I will say though, Africana was doing the work in the 80s and 90s, right? Mm. So we got an interview in there with Naeem Akbar um which if y'all get a chance y'all gotta look it up because Mm -hmm. um, because he actually said the million man march was a success Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. in the sense of he was fighting he was pushing back against a lot of the narratives where um people well mainly academics who were just speaking out against the million man march Mm -hmm. as in black men don't have a need or issue or anything that we need to address right Mm -hmm. So to give people if the, the interview gives more details about this, but the, the the goal of the million man march was to the the zero in, focus in on the particular issues that black men dealt with. Okay. Right? Right. And so the, this actually came out of um so Naeem Akbar and a group of scholars, both is a is a combination of scholars and community members actually started meeting in the mid 80s and they were having conferences and coming together it was like look they recognized and this is the problem y'all this is why this is so frustrating they recognized this way back in the 80s Mm. Uh, my booty on book was titled are black men obsolete Mm -hmm. they were talking about the the dangers and extensions of black men dealing with bait way back in 1988 and 1992. Mm -hmm. They were actually meeting to organize, and then eventually they actually had conferences. Mm-hmm. So they had conferences in the late 80s, um, early 90s, and then when we get to 92, we get oh, African American male studies. Whenever you do that, Dr. Yaz, then it, it, it impacts the sound. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, go ahead, uh, Dr. Harris, repeat what you were saying, please. Um, so what happens was in the early 90s, we get the rise of this 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 field called African American male studies. So there was this energy growing, growing, growing. By the time we get to 95, 96, gone. So I, we needed to do follow-up interviews with Majors and Gordon to find out what happened. Um, and I found some of them, they still trying to do the work. But it's like it got shut down. And, and wow. They had wow. a couple of issues for the journal. The journal is no longer existing. And I'm like, damn, Jason, like what happened? Mm-hmm. But but we do know, like with Mata Booty, what they they were talking of, they were doing that work and they were spitting the truth. Right. So um unfortunately they got they got we can say they got censored and silenced. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons that this work has to be done publicly. It has to be done um it, it, you know in the in the eyes of the people because especially you know pre-internet you know it's 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 hard to keep things out in public right. for people to engage on a regular basis but we got to make as much noise as possible while doing this research and keep the information out there because you're right 
you know, you never know uh, what what kind of issues will be put forth to eliminate people from the discussion. You know, I mean, there's a reason so many black scholars are silent, black male scholars in particular. I don't like it, but I understand it. No, and and, and it, it it requires that we learn how to be vocal. We develop a vocabulary, which is another issue. Another reason I salute the journal. One of the things I've been saying for years is, if we're going to do this work, we need to create a new vocabulary that allows for the black male experience to be, you know, examined in detail. Because a lot of the conceptual, you know, terms and concepts that are already there don't really lend themselves to the black male experience as easily. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm referring here to inter- intersectionality and other mm-hmm. kinds of things. They come in with a predisposition about black male privilege, black male, you know, these kind of ideas that don't necessarily empirically bear out, but they're treated as truths at this point. So black, you know, this black male studies push mm-hmm. has to be able to, you know, take on the work of creating what isn't there for men for us to better explain the experiences of boys and men in ways that that actually reflect their humanity yes. and engage the human experience that these black men are having rather than this you know this pathology that we got to keep you know coming back to because it's so pervasive yeah and not just recognizing their humanity but possibilities absolutely what, what's next what what can we do what what's the what, what, what how can we expand what's what you know what's the range of where we can go mm-hmm. that that's really missing from the literature you know particularly psychological literature absolutely interventions for black boys and you know are really mandation and things that that to me are just another form of social control but not really helping black boys and black men uh tap into their creativity tap into their power you know yeah I'm, i'm curious about something uh for both of you um the work you're doing now and the, the work you're putting out what are the kind of responses you're getting from black males themselves and 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 how is it kind of Im- impacting the work you're continuing to do uh if you guys are willing to share some of that yeah i mean you know um my work with black males uh you know take a clinical perspective and so uh, well, let me start with the class that I started teaching years ago, the psychology of black masculinity. And I think I want to bring that that back in the fall uh, at Hampton. Uh, I'm teaching black psychology in spring, and I probably will have a, a strong focus on black masculinity in that class, too. Mm-hmm. But the course is when every time I teach it on a graduate or undergraduate level, obviously lots of black males take it and black women uh, and black males who take it have you know, um, reactions from this is helping me think about my father in new ways. I've gotten okay. more empathetic and grace, you know, extended more grace to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, got me looking at my own life. I'm, I'm back in therapy. Uh, just listening to you and, and refuting these things have been healing to me and my sense of identity. And then from a clinical perspective, you know, working with Black males from, you know, all types of black men uh, that I usually work with. I don't work with adolescents much uh, these days, but uh, just having a space where someone who looks like them, who's not pathologizing them, who sit in the you know session and will curse with them, who will empathize with them, you know, um, who will allow them to, uh, to 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 voice themselves and how they see their world, mm. and uh, help them to shape it in ways in which makes sense for them without my own agenda. You know, mm. black males feel, uh, 
you know, uh, seen, feel seen and heard and are able to do their work, quote unquote, whatever that work is for that particular black male, right. in, in a way that is at their own pace, but most definitely always hearing in a way that they don't feel judged or stigmatized. So that's, mm-hmm. that, those are some of the things that I hear from some of the men that I, you know, work with within the capacity of teaching those types of courses and in my in clinical work. Okay. Dr. Harris, what about you? Oh man, people eating it up, bro. <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me say this because you also have a foot in activism as well. So you're, yeah. you know, so, you know, talk a little bit about how black males are responding to you. Yeah. So it, it's great excitement. It's great excitement. Um, people are, are happy. They, they, they're, they're hungry. Mm-hmm. I, I, a big, a big synopsis is happy and hungry, right? Okay. They're happy that it's out there and they're hungry for more. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, Oshana and I got some things that we're working on in the pipeline. I should have talked to him. I don't know what we can say publicly yet in that, but, um, we got some things that some, some brands, some, some stuff that we working towards that, um, there's going to be very practical, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, we, we, I'm on the activist and O'Shawn is also a practitioner. We got things that we're going to be able to actually apply to um to black men. And let me say this: this is what I do feel public feel uh, um comfortable publicly saying. Going back to the situation of, I feel like it's clear now why we need this, right? So since it's clear, what we want to do is move towards offering pretty much a series in a sense. Uh, a reference guide where you will not be able to make claims about black men yeah. without referen- referencing this series. Yeah. And so what I'm envisioning, right, is having scholars, because it's transdisciplinary, right? Mm-hmm. Having something for every single discipline mm-hmm. where if you want to talk about black men, you're going to have to reference this. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully get to a point where it, where it is actually put into practice for like practical professions, right? So of course, starting with clinicians, getting to a point where, hey, if you want to make, if you, let me say it this way, we want to be able to challenge the fact that people can c- continue to misdiagnose black men without any repercussions. Okay. Okay. Does that right. makes sense. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Let me see. Anything you guys want to share about where you think others should contribute to expanding the scholarship? What would you say to other black men in the wings listening to this, uh, trying to figure out how they can help, what they can do? What directives, what suggestions would you guys have for those brothers who want to help but aren't sure of the footing, how to get involved, what to do? What work do you think needs to be done and what would you say to them? We'll start with uh, Dr. Gadsden and then Dr. Harris. I thought you were gonna start with Dr. Harris. That's how I had to think about it. <laughs> okay. That's a good question. I, can go, I can go first. I can go first. Oh, um, because one, I, I saw one of the comments. I uh, I hope he didn't leave, but uh, somebody was saying that the language um that that we was using. So to be clear, some of the stuff that we're talking about, that's just a a, a like, like that's just the best word to explain what we're talking about. But we are not trying to be distant from our people. My name is Hood Scott, right? I'm a hood dude, right? So um, what for me, I want to collaborate. So 
don't think that just because you don't have a PhD or you don't have uh, particular training that your voice can't be a part of the work that we're doing. So in a very practical way, if, if, if I'm like, hey, I need you, I need you to either fill out this survey or come and speak at this event or show up in some kind of way, then be more than willing to, to speak up, right? And I feel like that's very hands-on, that's very down to earth because the goal is to have this, we don't want to have barriers, right? We don't want to, we, we don't want to be like the other academic disciplines that are so distant from our people, mm. right? So for a very practical, um, practical thing, I just say is pull up, right? Mm. Talk to us, but talk to us in such a way that when we are doing the work, let's build together, mm. right? Because we got, we can have both. Yes, we want to. We want to give you your time to grieve, to 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 share your uh, frustrations, and let's use that energy towards moving forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would just add to that: we need your resources, we need your time, and the resources is not just money, but that's good too. We need all resources of Black men who are invested in lifting up the voice of other Black men and this agenda to help us to uh, structure this so that we can have a movement that lives beyond all of us, that a legacy that lives beyond all of us. Number two, I think is important first that every one of us continue to decolonize ourselves. That's the best thing we, we can start with. Mm-hmm. That whatever that process is, therapy, groups with other black men, reading uh, a text written by black men, scholars or what have you, that you, we have to continue the personal work. I mean, I talked. About, I was reading about this today and writing about the collect, the personal unconsciousness of black men, right? The individual black man and his unconsciousness. When I say unconsciousness, I mean all of those repressed, suppressed memories, traumas, versus the collective black man, right? Mm-hmm. The, you know, all of those things that we as black men, regardless of where we find ourselves geographically or intergenerationally may all hold in terms of experiences that are part of that collective unconsciousness of black masculinity. And right. so I think that we have an obligation to heal, that right. that's the first place to really be you know, a part of an ongoing personal and collective healing. And then to use our resources wherever you, uh, uh, whatever you have, when these opportunities come up where brothers are building to be a part of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then lastly, whatever discipline that you're in, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a politician, whether you're a lawyer, that your work is situated in a decolonizing framework and mm-hmm. that that you use your power and your expertise and whatever it is to uplift black men, mm-hmm. black boys. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, when I teach intro to Africana studies, one of the things I do is because it's such an interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary field, what I do is I give people a sampler plate of contributions to different fields by Africana studies scholars, most of whom uh, have one foot in, in Africana, one foot in whatever other field they're interested in. What I think needs to happen with uh, this research on black males is I, I'd be interested to see brothers in different fields actually begin to excavate the work of black males on, and it doesn't necessarily have to be black males initiating the work, but 
research on black males in other fields, in a variety of fields, hmm. that is accurate, that is empirically based on one level or another, even in the context of your given discipline, but begins to explain and, and make sense of black male experience from that vantage point. So if you're coming out of journalism, if you're coming out of uh, literature, if you're coming out of philosophy, you're coming out of, you know, whatever the field is, I would be willing to bet that there is a legacy, however, no, you know, however big or small of uh, work regarding black males that has not been brought into this discussion. Because I think what, there's a moment here to pull together generations of work. I mean, this is what I've been seeing in the last decade especially with Dr. Tommy Curry's work, you're starting to see scholars that have been buried and dismissed, being excavated, pulled out. And we're saying, look at the value of what these people have been writing that hasn't been credited, hasn't been acknowledged anywhere near to the extent it needs to be. And what role it plays in what we can do with it. I mean, I just researched, I just covered, I did a show on one of Errol Miller's papers back in the 1980s. Yeah, He was talking about uh, some of the gender dynamics in Jamaica, going back to the, the 19th century and leading all the way up to the 1980s. And he was empirically defining these, these practices and how it affects. And I'm blown away, I'm blown away. Cause I didn't run across this paper until a year ago. Yeah. And I'm saying how much else is out there mm. that hasn't been connected to this push that we're in now. You know what I mean? Cause like you guys said, they'll pull in a bell hooks you know, we'll hear her, her her assessments going back to the 1980s. But when you really start to look at brothers in particular who've been making these contributions, I, I have a suspicion there's a lot more out there um, that needs to be drawn into this. You know, so I would hope uh, for those who are out there who are interested in trying to figure out how to get involved, we need to hear from your discipline, your, you know, what you can find within it that speaks to these same questions. And to that <laughs> point, and let's make clear that um, and this is what we try to lay out in the special issue. There's a difference between just generically talking about men, mm -hmm. generically talking about black men, right. and actually studying black men in detail. Right. Because right. what happens is a lot of people say, oh, yeah, we study black men. And it's and what it is is they looked at Martin Luther King or they looked at Malcolm X or they looked at some other major figure. Mm -hmm. right? And this also gets to the point of how how usually black men are, are put into a particular mode, mm. right? And so in the special issue, I say black men are fathers, we're lovers, we're, mm. um, we're community leaders, we're mm. professors, we're teachers, we're firefighters, we're, we, we, we love men, we love women, we love children. We, we're all these things, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and I think that the diversity of black men really gets lost in many of the conversations yeah. because it's like, oh, and this is what happens, right? When we want to understand black men and say black men are bad, <clears throat> let's look at R. Kelly. <clears throat> right, 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 right. Or if we want to say black men are good, let's look at LeBron James, even oh, though they, um, it's hmm. like they kind of came at LeBron James recently, which is kind of yeah. weird. But, but it's like, but it's always like these very, like, look at these people. R. Kelly is a once-in-a-generation type singer, right? right? LeBron right. James might be the best basketball player to ever play. Mm -hmm. And these are the ones who are representing black men. Yeah. We're measured, we're measured against the behavior of a fraction of a fraction of black yeah. men. Extremes, yeah. And that's considered norm. That's considered a, a norm. Yeah. You know, so we have to we definitely have to break that up. So um, so and I'm saying that so that when people start looking into the fields, 
don't just fall into that same trap. Right. Look at the, the fact that this black men are being studied in depth. Yeah. And I would say reading this uh, journal uh, would be an excellent start if you haven't read anything else like it uh, to get a sense of what we're talking about in terms of how black men should be studied. And to Dr. Johnson's uh, call, you know, this is this, this is not premature. This is uh, all working out for the good. Uh, we are, you know, thinking about doing an edited book that uh, really uh, creates a further complex, nuanced conversation around some of the the questions and the focus of our special issues. Mm. Uh, so you should be looking out for that soon. And if you're interested, uh, we're looking, as we were talking about, from multiple disciplines uh, to when you see the abstract call, you know, uh, answer it. <laughs> uh -huh. Right. so that we can continue this conversation that will be hopefully out soon once we get the publisher to say yes uh we found a good uh black focus publishing house mm -hmm. so let's see uh and uh, let's let's move this conversation through action mm -hmm. and so see a call don't ignore the call you know answer the call so that uh, we can get this out yeah yeah um any closing thoughts from both of you, uh, anything at all you want to share before we, we we pull out? And I want to say thank you to both of you. Um, they were willing to come on and with very short notice, and I appreciate it. Um, but any closing thoughts you want to lead the audience with? I wanted to close with what we close with in our editorial on this special issue. Okay. Because um, right there, that's a very um, it's detailed, it's, it's practical, but it looks uh, it it provides a vision, it paints a vision of how this could actually look so if you could pull that up um i sent it to you in a private chat too That's all about it. let me see here okay here we go Is that what you're talking about yeah and so it's the very last um paragraph okay and y'all this is the article i'm re i'm referencing in the chat um so this is available and open to the public if y'all want any other um if you if you have problems accessing any of the articles um let me know is this what you're talking about here the work of black male studies yeah all right cool all right the work of black male studies has only begun there are some some scholarly solutions oriented and africana works that have already paved the way potential to bring effective change in the in the labs is that in the last i'm sorry, sorry. Right, yeah you, in the um the large i sorry about that now you get it. side panel i can't move it no i got i got it um lives of black men and boys in and outside of academia is limitless by going in the direction of becoming a transdisciplinary field black male studies not only looks at healing black boys fighting the school to prison pipeline black male sexuality and so on but it provides the framework to do all of this work together Imagine scholarship on incarcerated black men that looks at their childhood, provides looks at their childhood psychology, provides a sociological analysis of their city, an Africana framework of history, identity, and race, a detailed study about the school system, education they were a part of, a legal analysis of the injustice system, um, partnership with black organizations that are fighting against mass incarceration and a psychological study of their background, 
how they are existing in this world as black men and the psychophysiological effects of the trauma they have experienced in life and now being in prison. This is the future of black male studies that we are hoping for. The time is now for us to develop, to develop this field and create a better future for black men and boys. A better future for black men and boys will also mean a better future for black people. Our enemy is not each other. Our enemy is white supremacy, and this is we are fighting. This is what we are fighting to dismantle. Right, much appreciated. Sure. You know, um, go ahead and take that in. All right. Uh, anything you want to say, uh, Doctor Gaston, before we close out? No, uh, just uh, thank you again for allowing us this platform. It's always a great time to talk to. Uh, you brothers in particular, and I'm looking forward to more expansive conversations with other uh, black men, black scholars uh, and activists and practitioners. And, you know, it is my hope that we really structure, uh, really build a movement and an initiative that not only is action oriented, but that leaves a legacy beyond us. And uh, hey, we can do it. <laughs> we've got the skill set. We've got the passion, uh, and we just uh, affirm the intentionality and the focus. Indeed. All right, brothers. Thank y'all for coming through and take you down. We appreciate it. Um, please make sure you support uh, the uh, journal that just came out. It's in. Uh, wait a minute. There we go. Deconstruction and analysis, reframing and legitimizing the complexity of studying black men. That's a piece by Travis Harris. Excuse me. Um, let see. Here we go. So the Journal of Black Sexuality and Relationships and then Deconstruction and Analysis, Reframing and Legitimizing the Complexity of Black Masculinity is the title. Um, O'Shawn Gadsden, Travis Harris uh, as the editors. Make sure you get hold of it if you can support it. If you will, this is the kind of work that we want to see uh, built in the academy that allows for black men to uh, actually expand and study uh, our experience and boys, of course, in ways that isn't conventionally supported. So please make sure you do that. Thank you for joining the Onyx Report. I will see you guys soon. And make sure that you check out the new Onyx uh, uh, Network channel. Uh, matter of fact, you can go ahead and pick that up. You can download it on Amazon Fire TV. You can do it on Roku. Um, a lot of different ways you can do it. You can download it onto your um, iPhone, onto your, uh, your Android. There's a number of ways you can actually of engage it so let me put this up for you to see but that's how you can do it there just research just search the onyx network media for thinking black men you don't even have to put in media just put in the onyx network and you can check it out from there 24 7 you know 365 the channel's there and i am putting out work uh from those who who you know are willing to contribute uh to the channel is just getting started we just launched it a couple weeks ago but it is up it is there uh, support it, expand on it, share it with people, and you can support. You can support the Onyx Network. You can support the Onyx Report here on YouTube. You can support the Institute for Black Male Studies um, as well. And if you haven't checked that out, instituteforblackmalestudies.com, I can go ahead and, and check that out. But you can support all these endeavors. You can go to Patreon, which you can see the link right there on the screen, patreon.com slash Johnson, And you can choose to support any of those or all of them on a monthly basis through Patreon. I appreciate the support that you guys have extended uh, up to date. And we are, let me see, I don't know if we've kind of passed it um, already. 
but uh, ooh, very close. So we, I'm trying to break 30,000 subscribers here on YouTube. I am currently 18 subscribers short. A lot of people have been telling me they've been unsubscribed from my channel. So uh, help us with uh, the endeavor. Let's get past 30,000, support each of the different entities I told you about, support the journal. But this is how we build. We build by supporting each other, uh, using each other as a resource and taking it a step further. So hopefully you'll do that. I appreciate the time. Appreciate y'all being here. Y'all have a good one. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.